Well, hello, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Bees Radio Network podcast episode number 20. Storm Brendan is blowing a gale outside of the studio here tonight. Uh, and I'm hoping that Mark Denham's going to be able to keep his hair on tonight with this wind picking <laughs> up. Sure. Blew off in a storm many years ago. Oh, oh dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> you well? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very good indeed. And and no doubt, and I think everyone can agree, we're not going to give away the illusion. This is a Monday night recording. And it's always a little bit easier when you come off the back of the win on a Sunday night. And a win in the manner in which it came as well. Just gave me that little bit of a glow this morning as I sat on the M3 for an hour and a half trying to get my way into work. It was a really good start to the week, but I was happy and smiling and content because, okay, the result didn't go away Saturday night, but Sunday night's performance and the game in general after the opening 20 minutes, I just put a smile on my face, spring in my step. Do you know what? I'd go slightly further than that. I think after the opening 10 minutes, I think for the 50 minutes, I think we were pretty good. Just that opening 10, wasn't it? And against a team of the quality of the Phantoms, you can't afford to take a shift off. Certainly not for seven minutes worth of shifts. And we found that we had to come back from that, but we did. And not only did we come back from it, we came back from it missing four fairly influential players as well. So, you know, it does give you a good start to your Monday morning, doesn't it? When you can wake up and think, yeah, do you know what? Good win last night. Gives you a good start to your week. Indeed. Now, I, I've got something to ask you, because obviously we're going to break the game down a little bit briefly, and hopefully we're not going to run to the hour this week. But just in case we do, just settle down. We don't know where we're going from when we start this cuppa. one. But grab a cuppa, I think it's fair to say. Maybe something stronger if we get over the 50-minute <laughs> mark. I, I don't know. Um, just uh, obviously, you've got strong relationships with from the likes of Slava Kulikov and uh, Alex Padlak, who are both with the Phantoms now. And I know that... You caught up with them after the game. And I'm wondering. Well, I'm just wondering. it was before, so I didn't get oh, their post-match the reaction. the game. Ah, you see, because I was hoping you were going to go up to Slava at the end of the game and you were going to say to him, Slava, mate, the opening seven minutes, you've not played like that on the road in years. You've not come into a building and tried to knock someone's socks off in the first seven minutes of the game. In years, you come here, you settle down, you set up your trap, you try and let us fall into it. What was up with the fan? Because it was, it, give them their credit, for the opening seven minutes, they nearly put that game to bed. Um, they nearly came into the building, rocked the joint, completely disrupted it. Luckily, we found our feet, got back into the game, and in the end, took away the two points. But I was hoping you were going to say to Slava, Slava, was that, was that a game plan from your guys to, you know what, we're going to put it all in for the opening 10, and then we'll try and sit on it? Or was it something different? Well, I mean... It was uncharacteristic, wasn't it? The way they started was not at all the way you expect a Phantoms road game to go. I mean, they are they are a very, very good team at closing down a game, but they don't normally come out, run and gun like they did yesterday in an effort to get that lead. They'll normally, as you say, sit back and when a chance comes, they'll go for it. But yesterday, the opening start to that game was all about them forcing chances, which is not traditionally what they do on the road. Now, obviously, as I said, they are very, very good at closing down a game from a strong position. They can shut out most teams from a game if they're in a strong position. Certainly, if they're well up come the third period, your chances of beating them are very low. But it was, I thought, an entirely different game plan. And I mean, it almost worked, didn't it? It did almost work because they 
could have unsettled the Bees lineup with their two early goals being down by two. You could think, oh, we're never, ever going to get back into this. And it almost worked, but it didn't because the mentality you're never, ever going to get back into this did not get around the Bees lineup. And they fought their way back into the game. And I thought, you know, by the, the end of the game, well worth the points as well. There are some games where you think, oh, neither team deserves to lose. I wouldn't say that about last night. I thought the Phantoms had a great start. I thought they had some other moments of brilliance within the game. But I think after that great start, the Bees were well worthy of their two points and they deserved to be the winners last night. Indeed. And it was a very... It was a, it, once they found their feet and it got flowing, there were some beautiful finishes in that game as well. It has to be said. Uh, Josh Smith's finish was a wonderful one. Josh Ely Newman's one as well was a really good finish. And even Ryan Webb battling his way to the net to get the game winner at the end as well. I mean, if there was a bookie and you were walking in there and you're saying, I'm going to put my money on Ryan Webb to be the game winner, uh, you would have been probably walking over with a pretty penny at the end of the game. But that just shows as well, it, it, by all means, like uh, Roman Malenik and Dominic Kabai, we know what they bring to the team and the rest of the, the, rest of the guys as well. But it's the ability for those guys, and it's been nice to see, to lift the players around them as well and them to all deliver that performance. And it really was a team victory. And as you've already mentioned about being the guys down and being players out, it required a, a lot of step up with both Joe Baird and Stuart Mogg. It's not just their experience you take away from the power play. You're taking away some of the quarterbacks on it as well. So to see someone like Luke Jackson, and I think Luke will be the first to admit he'll be disappointed with some of what occurred during the game. Uh, uh, last night, he'll also be pleased. And I think the bit, the bit that I was most pleased by was maybe his reaction to it was that, okay, he had some struggles early doors, but he didn't let it affect him all game long. He put it into the back pocket in the second period was blocking lanes, was stepping in when he got an opportunity on the power play, he had let load with the shot and offered something different as well. And it's got to be tough. Like Luke at the end of the day is still fairly young in his senior hockey career. He's still finding his feet and developing. And you've already seen in the months this season, how he's stepped on in the opening four months of the campaign. And then I think this weekend was a little bit of coming of age for him a little bit as well. Was that, okay, I'm going to be forced to play these minutes. I'm going to be forced to go out on the ice. If I make an error, I'm back out next shift. I'm not sat at the back of the bench and I'm not thinking about it for the remaining 55 minutes of the game. I'm back out there and I've got to just put it in the back pocket and move it away and go out and do what I did. And that was probably the most pleasing thing about the game for me was watching someone like Luke go, you know what? I'm just going to step out. I've made that error. I'm going to put it in the back pocket. I'm going to come out. I'm going to play. and I'm not going to let the guys down. And I think that that's full credit to Luke there. Accountability, I think, is a big word. Like, you know, playing the occasional shift, you make a mistake and you get plenty of time to think about it. But last night, Luke was forced to play a regular shift and he knew that he would be accountable for every single minute that he iced. Yes, it wasn't perfect. But what Luke Jackson has is an absolute ton of raw skill. And that skill is still raw because he is only very young into his senior career. There is, and we've used this word a lot on the podcast, there's a lot to like about Luke and a lot of potential in him. That shot you don't often see a young kid come in with that sort of shot. I mean, he can blast from the blue line in a way that not many people can. That's impressive. Some of the, the moves he makes look mature beyond his years. 
sometimes he gets caught out. That's what it is, being a, a young junior player, is that you are raw. And let's be honest, Roman Malenik, Dominic Gabay were raw at one stage. We didn't get to see that, but at one stage in their senior career, they were raw. They have battled on and fulfilled their potential, as has Stuart Mogg, once raw. Joe Baird. Yeah. Look at the years of Joe Baird now that he's been playing. Once upon a time, he was fairly raw. He got caught out too, and he has gone on to carve out a career that has taken him. You know, uh, it, it's a career to be proud of, Joe Baird. Luke Jackson is right at the start of that journey, and yes, mistakes will be made, and yes, sometimes they are frustrating. Luke himself will know that, and Luke will be saying, oh, no, that shouldn't have happened, that shouldn't have happened. But the chance to sit and dwell on it last night wasn't there because he's sitting there thinking, oh, that shouldn't have happened. And then he's getting the tap on the back, right, you're out. And he's back out there. And he has to clear his mind. Now, for a young person as well, a young sportsman, you have to clear your mind quickly of what's just happened. You think, right, okay, play to my strengths, play to our system, play to my strengths. And I thought he put in a good performance last night. Yeah, it wasn't perfect, but I think it was good and it was promising. And I think. You know, there's going to come a time where some of those more experienced D-men in the B's roster are going to get pushed by Luke because he is taking the opportunities that are given. His opportunities so far, because we have a good defence, his opportunities so far haven't been massive. Last night was the first opportunity he got to play a full game. And if he plays in the opportunities that he gets, whether that be you know, five shifts a game, or whether that be a full game, if he continues to play like that, that rawness will disappear with experience. That rawness will disappear. And as long as he can keep that shot as well, once he gets a bit of experience with him, with that shot, he's got a future in this sport. Yeah, and it was, it was weird coming into the game because obviously Luke had had to step up the night before in Swindon when Stuart got received his injury during that game. And he sort of fitted in perfectly then as well and sort of stepped into that performance. And coming into the game last night, it was kind of, a, for me, a bit of a weird feeling walking in. I know there is a bit of trepidation around the Peterborough Phantoms with, with Bracknell. I know, I know last season when we beat Panterborough, uh, Panterborough the, mixing their names up there, but when we played Peterborough at one point and we beat them heavily at home, there was people with big shocks and big grins on the faces. Oh, we, we, we don't beat Peterborough. It's something we don't do. So I know there's always a lot of trepidation about when we come up to face the Phantoms. But having seen the performance the week before against Swindon and adding to that the week, be uh, the, the week before, sorry, the night before against Swindon, adding the week before against Milton Keynes at home and adding the week before that against Leeds and, and all those games that we're going to just worry about that Leeds away game. Let's cross that off. Look at all those performances. It's began to stack. To the point, walking into that rink last night, knowing Stuart Mogg's out of the lineup, knowing Joe Baird's out of the lineup, knowing Zach and Callie, who we'll come on into in just a second, are out the lineup, I felt confident that we were going to take the two points. Uh, sure, it slightly wavered when we're two down after eight minutes. Sure, I'm not, I'm not going to deny a little bit of the heart was ticking a little bit. But I just felt like, hang on here, this team have got the performance in them to do it. And it showed. The Swindon game... I think we'll all be disappointed. I think the guys are, and I think I think Doug's um, is as well. That felt like it could have been a four-point weekend, which is un in some ways unbelievable to think. But the quality of the performance against Swindon was high. Uh, again, just a few individual errors, a few individual lapses, just cost in that game. 
Uh, Adam Goss having one of his strongest performances of the season against Swindon as well to to keep it strong. And he's he certainly at the moment, some of the goals are going in. Yeah, it's not through the lack of trying from the netminder. I think Adam's doing really well. The D have learned how to play alongside Adam as well and are offering him the support, making it even tougher for teams to really rack up the goals like they've done. And we've seen it so many times this year with this Bees team. They can be one or two goals down. It can be a one or two goal game. There's the odd one where there's the blowout. That's that's to be expected. But most of the time, this team are competitive and there. And we said it on the podcast last week. We said it on the commentary last night to all of you who joined us as well. We need to start seeing this potential become the realisation. And I think we're just beginning to, which is a good thing to say as we are, what, January 13th now, playoffs are just over two and a half months away. If we just continue to build that form that we are seeing at the moment, the results are going to come when players come back into that lineup as well. And it could be a, a very pleasing end to the season which will make us a feared team going into the playoffs. Well, yeah, I mean, it's easy to sit and look at the table and say, oh, we'll happily take Bracknell in the playoffs. But would they? Because I can think of one game where the Bees were never, ever in it. And that was a home game. And thankfully, you didn't get to see it because you were on holiday at the time. But I can think of one game where the Bees have never, ever been in that game. And that was a blowout. And it's one that, you know, all Bees fans and probably players will want to forget. Other than that, though, all season long, we have been there or thereabouts. If we haven't had the points, we've been very close to getting them. And it's just that little extra bit, isn't it, to get over the line. But I don't think any team is certainly going to want to come to Bracknell come playoff time thinking, well, this is an easy win. We'll be in the next round. I just don't see it because things are starting to fire. You know, we now know that if you have a defenseman out, we can slot Luke Jackson in. Um, you've got Zach and Callie to come back and they will slot right back in as well. You've got Roman Malinik, who uh, found his scoring touch on Saturday night again. Um, and he has been brilliant the last couple of weeks as well. Dominic Goodbye, we know what he can do. And, you know, there are there are plenty of players that are just there or thereabouts that are just ticking into there now. And I think as the season goes on, Everybody toughens up their game, don't they, for the run-in because you're competing for uh, either A, a playoff spot, or B, your playoff positioning. Top four get home advantage. How crucial can that be? Well, we'll wait and see. But, you know, every team is playing for their playoff position. And then, you know, I'm going to throw it out there. It does happen. Towards the end of the season, obviously, if you are the Telford Tigers, you'd like to win the league because, you know, that's the big prize. Other teams may be thinking, oh, hang on a minute, I'd rather match up with them, so I don't really care if we drop this game. But I don't think there's going to be any who, uh, anybody who's going to be saying, do you know what, we'll try and jostle for this position so we get Bracknell because that'll be an easy yep. win. You know, um, last season, the playoffs, there were eight teams and all eight of them made the playoffs. And obviously, some teams were easier to beat than others. But this year... You know, there's there's 10 teams that are all pretty close to each other. We'll come, you know, Leeds are about to come home eventually, get their own rink. Uh, and maybe things will turn for them a little bit now that they are, you know, hoping to get home, get in their own rink, play in front of their own fans. But out of the, certainly the nine, there's not really much between the nine at all. And we've seen as well that Leeds can take teams on their day. 
for the bees, yep, they have got back into eighth position now. They're in a strong position. Games in hand. Uh, or there's a game in hand. There's also games to come against the Raiders as well, which will be massive, massive swing games. Uh, and certainly from this position, the Raiders will be needing to win those, really. Um, you know, the Bees could afford to even drop one of those and still be in a strong position. I think as we head into, you know, the latter stage now of January coming up this weekend, I think, you know, those that are there or thereabouts are just about on the line now, ready to go as there. There's no abouts anymore. There's there. Roman Malenik's firing again. Dominic Gabay has had a massive impact since he started. The forwards are working so well together as well now. Like we saw the Josh Smith goal. You mentioned it earlier last night. It was a beauty. It really was a beauty. But it was made by an inch-perfect pass from Dominic Gabay to feed him. And that is, that is so crucial. You know, no player can really... There's no such thing as a one-man team, is there? Everybody says that. And to watch Josh Smith last night receive that pass and bury it, that's teamwork. And that is also coming together as well now. So, yeah, I think there's one game this year we have really, really struggled. We were out of it and we had no way of fighting back into that game against the Bison early on in the season. Other than that, we've been there or thereabouts. And I think that and about is about to disappear. Indeed. And of course, it's going to all be helped by the return of uh, Zach Milton and Callie Robertson this weekend. Uh, silver medalists with Great Britain in their under-20s tournament out in Lithuania. Obviously, opening game defeat against Japan wasn't exactly what they were hoping for against the team that would go on to win the gold medal. But after that, solid performances across the board. Um, obviously, a penalty shot victory over Spain. That was a highlight because Zach Milton obviously uh, put one in the... the, the Oh, not to use an Aaron Murphy phrase, but puck and twine oh so fine. And if I ever say that again, you have permission to beat me, Mark. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, please just hit me repeatedly if Do I say that. you know what? That. That's not as bad as had you used perhaps a, a Dave Sims uh, phrase. I'll say I prefer Simsy to Aaron Murphy. I'll take Dave Sims every day over Aaron Murphy. Mm. And that, that I don't get into who's a better commentator because everybody's got their own different styles. My opinion, I take Dave Sims over Aaron Murphy as a commentator. That's just that's just how I prefer listening to a game. I don't like the hoaxy nonsense. I don't like making up catchphrases. I don't like all that stuff. That's not commentary. That's overthinking things. Yeah. If you come up with a good intro to a game, that's fine. If you come up with like what Peter Jury does, that's brilliant. If you're just coming up with a hokey catchphrase, I don't care. I don't need well, to hear you say that. Well, the idea is, isn't it, to describe what's going on. You're not really yeah. there to entertain as such are you with your witty catchphrases you're there to describe what is going on exactly and that's where i have big problems but anyway we'll move on from that because i don't like talking about other people because there's probably people listening to this podcast right now and going yeah but i can't stand your screeching so um it's fine um just to uh, zach and Callie coming back be worse. I think, what is going on here well true well no that's <laughs> not fair that you would you you had lost sight of that moment it's fine the lights have gone out um <laughs> no one needed to know that um but if for instance, uh, Zach and Callie, just to take it back to yeah. those guys, I think they both had very strong tournaments out in Lithuania. Callie certainly in the last game had Paul Haidey singing his praises, which was uh, not an easy thing to do. Paul Haidey normally turns around and says, well, I've played with him. There's a good chance Callie might have played against Ian at some point, <laughs> his dad uh, at some point in their careers earlier on. But Paul was singing Callie's praises, and quite rightly, it was probably Callie's strongest game of the tournament. Zach, obviously, 
um, delivered throughout the usual Zach Milton performances without it. And they're both going to come back stronger from that. A bit of a winning mentality, a good experience to get away with a group of guys that they've grown up with and played against throughout juniors. And they'll come back in and they'll be full of energy and they'll bring back something to this lineup, I feel. Yeah, I mean, they were both very, very key members of the B squad before they departed for GB. And I think the good thing here is that, you know, Zach has had the tournament that Zach would have wanted to have. Callie's had a big impact as well. And they're coming back, A, with personal confidence from their own performances, and B, they, you know, they, they've soaked up the confidence and proudness of the team achieving a silver medal. I mean, Japan went into that as favourites, and rightly so, they won it. But for GB to come second... That gives them a lot of pride. They will have those medals now to cherish for the rest of their lives. They'll have the memories to cherish. And they've also got the pride of what they and the team have achieved. And they can bring that back to them as well, back with them even, to Bracknell. And we've spoken about this before. The spark Dominic Goodbye has provided since his arrival. Zach and Callie will now return to the Bees lineup full of spark. And that line was already firing before they left. They're going to slot straight back in. And there are again, that... oh, are they? Are they? I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, stop here you we right go. there. Here we I'm go. I'm gonna stop you right there. Okay, I think I know what you're gonna say. Because Josh Ely Newman's had a fantastic couple of weeks yeah. on the same line as Dominic Goodbye. Why would you separate right now? And I agree. Like Callie and Zach, by all rights, could should maybe come back in, go on the Dominic Goodbye line because it worked. It clicked before. But what I want to say is. I don't think that's necessarily 100% fair on Josh Ely Newman, who has had, certainly had an excellent game last night. He had an excellent you know, he's game had an excellent this Saturday. season so far, hasn't he? Exactly. And I just, I just, it's, it's a horrible conundrum that is probably playing in Doug Shepard's mind. And probably when he goes to sleep before training on uh, the nights this weekend, but goes to sleep before the game on Saturday, and maybe even as he's on the bus or on the, sorry, because they'll be in cars because they're on the way to Basingstoke. Yeah. Maybe as he's driving past the Wellington Arms on the A33, he'll decide it's going to be Callie and Zach playing with Dominic Goodbye. And maybe when he gets to the Jekyll and Hyde, which is less than half a mile away, he would have decided that Josh Ely Newman goes with Dominic Goodbye. It really is on a knife edge because Josh has done everything to deserve playing with Dominic. They've done everything now. But as you rightly say, before they went away, Zach and Callie had teamed up brilliantly with Dominic. The winner out of all this is the Bees because you've got players who are going to be flying across all three lines mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I just want you, you, for you to, yeah, for Luke you to Jackson say that. Jackson has yeah. stepped up brilliantly. And in that respect, so too has Josh Ely Newman as well. Under a bit of pressure because that goodbye line before they left for Team GB was on fire and Josh has stepped up and he has kept it on fire. Yeah, he's he's kept it ticking over. He's kept, and obviously Josh. I mean, the stats since he's become a full time B are outstanding for him, and he's done everything he deserves. He's getting to the net. He's making the plays. He's doing the works. I, it is a fascinating one to watch out for this weekend, because it, okay, say so you don't. What do you do? Like there are so many permutations. It could be quite fascinating to see how it plays out on Saturday in Basingstoke, which is where we're off to. Um, hopefully, making it two wins out of two in the. Uh, the building that caused a little bit of a reaction from your comments on <laughs> Sunday's commentary online, Mark. Uh, yes. Yeah. Do you um, know what? The netting did work. Sadly, a bit of support around the netting did fall down. Um, luckily, no one was injured. Luckily, no, no one yeah. was injured. Luckily, no one was injured. But of course, you know, like things may 
or may not fall down on Saturday as well. <laughs> if they haven't already. Yeah. And then a on bit of Sunday, gaffer tape will help, though, I'm sure. To take it with you. It's just best to take it with you these days, I find. Um, also on Sunday, we welcome the whole Pirates to town. That will be quite an interesting test. The Pirates having just signed Matt Bisonette, who's going to add them, or Bissonnette, who's going to add quite a lot to their team from the Manchester Storm last season. We know he can be an impact player. Uh, Matty Davis is also back for the Pirates as he recovers from his knee injury. So added dimensions to that whole team. But again, as we'll always say in any whole preview, we know exactly where the weakness is. Mm. I think everyone knows where the, the weakness is in Hull. And we saw, though, didn't we, at Coventry last year, we saw the obvious weakness against one of certainly the South's better teams, the Peterborough Phantoms last year. And yet the Peterborough Phantoms could not light up the weakness. I have no doubt last season's Phantoms, with the power that they had, Stepaniak, Padalek, Susters, they could have, had they got to light up that weakness, could have walked away with that final. So, you know, Hull do have a big weakness. I'm going to make no beef over this. They have a big weakness at the back. But what they do is they cover it quite well. Um, You know, they have a great transition themselves in that they don't often give up breakaways. Uh, They don't often give up odd man rushes. And I think that kind of covers the, the, the weak spot that they have, you know, and for them signing Bissonnette, getting Matty Davis back at this time of the season is a big kick towards where they want to be firing as well. Because, you know, we mentioned it with the bees. It's running time now, you know, no prisoners are taken. It's running time. And, for the Pirates to be adding those two, one, two, and one back into their lineup. Great timing for them. But again, as we said, nobody's going to want to play the Bees right now, though, are they? Because of the way that things are coming together for the Bees. It has been a tough start to the season. Um, you know, here in Bracknell, it's been not the start that we wanted, but the Bees have only once been embarrassed so far this season. And I think now, you know, with things coming together, with Zach and Callie back, whatever line they slot onto, with Josh Ely Newman stepping up so well the last couple of weekends while they're away, you know, and the other players that are all doing their bit as well, I think it's going to be a great weekend of hockey this weekend. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope you all join us either down the A33 or down the M3, whichever way you decide to go. <clears throat> go the A33. It's a bit of a nicer route, I find. Uh, and also then we the Pirates at home on Sunday as well. Right then, uh, we've only got one topic left to discuss. How we manage this? We're rattling through the show tonight. Uh, people are desperately going to be t- turning us down from... One other uh, thing one... before we get on to that topic. Oh, I would just like goes. to apologise. No, no, I would just like to apologise over the, uh, the face-off confusion yesterday. Uh, obviously, uh, a few people, because I went out just before we went live and there were a few people cursing the fact that they got there and then had to wait outside. So on behalf of uh, everyone at the Bees, we do apologise for that. It was a circumstance outside of our control, uh, and hopefully that won't be happening again. Yes, I agree with you, Mark. Yeah, frustrating one that was. But in the end, well worth it. Worth the wait. Worth the wait, I think it's fair to say. Uh, I'm also going to mention one thing very briefly, because I don't want to turn it into a 10-minute discussion, but refereeing this, this Sunday, nothing to worry about, I thought. Mr. Rose and Mr. Brooks, along with Mr. Lalonde and Mr. McPhee, delivered one of the best four-man refereeing performances I saw of the campaign. 
And you were most surprised that I knew who all four were, weren't you, for a chance? That, that was probably, I think that was the bigger shot. Maybe you should try that this weekend and we might get another good refereeing performance. <laughs> it depends if Justin's there to tell me who they are. <laughs> Justin from just outside Berkshire. Yes, thank um, you, Justin, for your helpful, <laughs> for your helpful tip, because I knew you'd ask. I knew you'd ask. I said to Justin, who is with you tonight? And he told me, I was like, right, I must remember that because Graham is going to ask. And then I couldn't have cheated because Mr. Rose came out with no name on his jersey as well. So thank you, Justin, for your helpful prompting. Good stuff. Don't get that from Stephen Matthews, do you? Don't get that from Stephen Matthews. But just to make him his... Well, no, but I recognise uh, him. Yeah, well, if you can see him for a crowd, just look for the gap. Uh, anyway, right, EPL, the question that we set last week on the podcast, which is how can, what needs to happen for the NIHL as it currently stands to continue progressing towards back to what we had with the EPIHL by the end of the EPIHL or the EPLIHL at its peak, I think is a fair thing to say. Yeah. Because by the end, it was an organizational shambles. Um, so, one reply, Hayley Dunbar. Thank you, Hayley, for tweeting in to us. I'm just going to load up on my phone briefly now, and it's literally just here for me. So, Hayley has said, playoff promotion and demotion between the divisions, uh, wage caps on for imports and an equal import max in both elite and national leagues. Improve sponsorship deals to allow increased wages for all players so they can all afford to train more regularly, not working full-time jobs as well. So, thank you, Hayley. There's a little bit to break down in there. Uh, playoff promotion and demotion between the divisions. Now, we see this in the likes of France. We see this in the likes of Germany uh, and a couple of other countries as well. But we obviously do not have this in the UK because the Elite League is run on a franchise system. Unless we're uh, talking about between national Well, this is what I was going to get on to. I was going to get on to this because is there potentially space for that between NIHL national and NIHL one? Or are we looking at it between NIHL 1 and NIHL 2? Now, for me, I'm going to quickly answer this because it comes on to my overall point on this. I think the... and and Can I be honest with you? This is not the position I would have taken 10 years ago on this. This is completely different and it's a complete change in what has been my belief for years. My belief for years is you should be as good as you can be. Every league should be as good as they can be. And if it means pushing the boundaries, you push the boundaries. You have to deliver the best product. Mm-hmm. I've now worked myself to a point where I'm like, well, no. I actually think the strength is only as strong as the league that you play in. And I think that goes back to the EPL by how it was by the end of it. Because by the end of it, you had teams well off the bottom. You had unaffordable. You had teams who could afford it. You had teams who couldn't afford it and overspent anyway to make sure they could succeed. And then you had teams who couldn't afford it and cut their cloth accordingly. And as a result, you just had this massive disparity between the league. And then we rolled into what we had last in the first year with the NIHL one South, where you had the established EPL former teams going up against some of the, the more uh, still the senior team within rinks. So the likes of Streatham, the likes of Invicta, the likes of, uh, uh, God, I'm trying to remember who else were in the league for that for the for that time. But you had those teams in there, and, and obviously in the north you had the likes of Whitley, and you had those, and they did not really want to compete with those top three, four teams coming down from the EPL. So you had a massive disparity, and now you've got itself probably to as good a situation in the league structure as you got. You've got the elite league. That is by far and away the elite league. There's probably some issues at the bottom of the elite league. 
where you've got the likes of Manchester and you've got a couple of other teams as well where there are just a few challenges that I think are adding up for those teams, including Dundee and Fife. You then move to the NIHL National, the league that we have now. It's been a great competitive league this year. We've got a North and South division to help with the travel issues. Fine. You then do still need a league for the NIHL, for the, the senior teams that don't want to compete at an NIHL national level, so the likes of your Streathams, your Oxfords and co. And then you have this NIHL 2 level, which I think has got a very important role to the play because it is the perfect development league for teams that have got secondary teams within rinks and they have a clear structure of how it goes up to the top tier. So say, for example, here in Bracknell, we should have a team that's in the development league that allows players to develop against other development teams so that they can play, so that you are developing players to play out for the Bs. You see it, Basistoke got it with the Buffalo, Guildford got it with the Phoenix. I think that really works as a, as a proposition. Um, and I think that will help develop the players. But you still need to have that league for those players that want to be a senior team within their rink, the Streathams, the Oxfords, the Solents, etc. And that's fine where you've got that bit of the structure as well. So what can we do in the NIHL National? I do think it comes back to something that Hayley actually mentions in terms of improved sponsorship deals. How did the EPL really grow as a league? Was when all the owners sat down and invested in their clubs in some way or another, whether it was through volunteers who put heart and soul in to bring sponsorship in, to raise community awareness, whether it was the likes of Swindon and what they've done off the ice with all their schemes and all they've done with the Wildcats to build the strength. I think it needs to get to that point at the moment where what can we do in the EPL? So what can we do in the NHL National to begin moving it back to the EPL era? We have to get professional off the ice. We have to be media machines that work and are perfectly fine and are brilliant at pushing out the messages from the club. We have to be active community engagement teams. We have to engage with our communities, work with our communities to grow the crowd, to grow the next teams that are going to cut the next fan base that comes in. And then we also have to be active with our corporate in offerings and not just accepting what's gone before. We have to be strong in our relationships, build these partnerships and develop them further. Because I think once you do that, it grows the professionalism of the league, which is a really key point. I think it grows the professionalism of the clubs, which can allow the money to then be reinvested back into what Hayley says, where if you could free up more wages so that the players can train more and have be more professional so that you can get more ice time so that the players can develop further. That would be the dream. And for me, it would be easy just to say, sit here, how do we get it back to EPL levels? You just throw money at it and we have the five imports. I'm not saying that at all. I think if every club and some clubs are well working and other clubs not as well working, but if everybody can get together, get professional as a league, get professional within the clubs to raise the corporate and community awareness, that to me is the solution. Now, I'm going to pick up on a word you said there because I've thought about this a lot this week and uh, picking up on something that Haley has said there, improved sponsorship deals to increase wages. No, 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 no. I disagree with that because we saw wage escalation in the EPL be ultimately the demise of the EPL. Now, in the first case, I disagree with that. If there can be improved sponsorship deals, my first spending would be on a professional at every club to look after the marketing, to look after the media, because some teams are better at this than others. 
And I don't think the buck stops there either. I think the EIHA should dip into their coffers and get this second tier league marketed. In fact, along with the whole NIHL, get, you know, why is there no league-wide, like, in-your-face media output and stuff like that? I do think that, you know, there is potential. And yes, I think, you know, players will deserve a wage increase, but I think a lot of work has to go in behind the scenes first to make this sustainable in a way that the EPL wasn't. You know, I'm not going to get into apportioning blame here as to why the EPL perhaps went wrong, because let's be honest, we all know why. But that wasn't through building. That was through throwing money at a problem. Other teams then, as you rightly pointed out, tried to compete with that. And as we know, some of them are no longer around. Others have had to, you know, like soak up. And, you know, I don't... (laughs) I don't want to see, I don't want to see players ripped off. Absolutely not. You know, I don't want to see players doing a hard night's work on the ice in addition to their training and, you know, just getting a little bit of pocket money. I don't want to see that. But I'd rather see this league expand through natural growth rather than through just throwing money at players to try and improve the standards. So my view would be, Yes, let's try and get more professional. But by being professional, let's have professionals. So every club has somebody who is looking after their media and their marketing. You know, every every club is out there, out and about, in their community, out and about, in their local press. If they're lucky enough to have local radio, they're on that. The league has to be more in your face, I think. You know, the... um. I'm so sorry, IHA, but your website is rubbish. Um, improve it. We are the second tier of hockey in this country. Improve your website, for heaven's sake. Like, fixtures live, cost an absolute fortune, clunky and rubbish. Can't even handle overtime games. Improve all this first so we have, then, a product that we can go out and sell to sponsors. Because ice hockey remains a minority sport in this country. And it's never going to be at the top of the pecking order for the huge money sponsorship deals that you would need to be upping the wages. So I think that we need to organically grow from within. Um, I do think the IHA have to play their part in that as well. Better website, better statistics, stuff like that. So, you know, information is easily accessible. All the clubs need to be singing from the same page, the same lyrics from the same page in terms of banging the drum in their community. Some are obviously going to have it tougher than others. You know, Sheffield Steel Dogs have the Sheffield Steelers as well. You know, that's going to be a tough sell. And that's where I think, you know, getting more professional, I think, has to come from within first, because it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if we could go back 25 years and have full-time hockey players. That would be lovely, because imagine the standard then. They'd be in the gym, you know, or they'd be (laughs) in the the gym. No, they'd be in the gym and then they'd train and then they'd play. And you would have, you know, like morning skates, for example. I know Guildford used to have a morning skate. I don't know if they still do or not, but they used to have a morning skate. Um, You know, like you would be able to then up the standard by having full-time players playing the game. So not just playing the game, but conditioning, strength and conditioning work that at the moment they're fitting around their full-time jobs that they have to do in order to earn a living. That would then be their full-time job and their full-time priority. Players would be stronger, faster, fitter. Um, 
And that's not saying that players are shirking those responsibilities now, but what I'm saying is that's what they would be dedicated to. So while they're getting the training in now, both on and off the ice, they're perhaps having to cut back on rest and relaxation time because they're then at work. So for me, yep. I think, yes, you know, if the players are doing a good job, they deserve a good wage. But I don't think that we could just say, right, increase sponsorship, up player wages, because then we'll get to a stage where competition comes back in and we're going to see wages get to a stage that they were towards the end of the EPL. And it's easy to yep. say, oh, bad mistake going to five imports. That was never the problem. Let's make no mistake about that. That was never the problem. It was those top-end Brits and the price that they were demanding, and clubs were then having to overstretch themselves in order to get the top-end Brits they felt they needed to be successful. Let's grow from within. Let's, let's get the every club, get them the marketing and the, the media support that they need, and the league as well. So as a team, and by this I also mean the NIHL 1 and the NIHL 2, Maybe it's different for an IHL too, because as you say, like they're not the huge clubs. Um, and, you know, maybe it's different for them, but certainly I think for an IHL national, that should be the starting point: is that we up the professionalism in terms of you know making this out and about a little bit more. We're always going to fight for column inches. We're always going to fight for radio airtime and TV airtime with the bigger sports, but it doesn't mean that we can't chip away at it by getting professional people in through those increased sponsorship deals. And as you say, building our partnerships as well, and not just us. You know, we have a great relationship with TSI World, who've now signed up for a three-year title sponsorship deal in Bracknell. And that's amazing. You know, every club perhaps doesn't benefit from a title sponsor. You know, some do, some don't. Perhaps if every club did, that would make things, you know, a little bit better as well. Perhaps going out, building bridges with other local sporting teams as well. Uh, football teams, cricket, you know, cricket, obviously, maybe not. It's in the summer, but football teams, rugby teams, where you could perhaps do ticket deals, things like that. So, you know, you could do ticket contrasts. So, you know, you could go to the football before. If you're lucky enough to have a football team that's local, go to the football before and then get down to the ice hockey as well. You know, things like that are also something that could be looked at. But also... In terms of promotion, I don't think we can, I don't think we can, well, we honestly can't influence the uh, the Elite League. A point that Haley makes is an equal import max in both the Elite and National. Number one, I disagree with that for the same reason I disagree with the fact that we have the same import max as the league below us. I think there does need to be some differential I've always said I think the Elite League is mercenary and has too many imports. Yes, I would bring it down, but I don't think you could expect the Elite League to drop from that to two. Um, but in terms of what we can influence, we could probably influence from within the EIHA. So we could say, right, NIHL 1 National, win it, you go up. NIHL, sorry, NIHL 1, win it, you go up. NIHL National, lose it, you go down. But then... And whilst that seems a great idea, do we get to the ludicrous, farcical situation we had, what, five, six, seven years ago, where a certain team won NIHL 2 and declined promotion? Do we get then back to that situation because they are quite happy being big fish in a small pond? You know, you have to, you have to see your place, whatever team you are, whether you are the Telford Tigers leading NIHL 1 National 
or whether you are the bottom club in NIHL 2, you have to see your place in the development of the players and of the sport. I don't think it will come as a surprise to anyone that Mark and I pretty much agree on the pathway forward. Uh, I like to think it comes from a position of knowledge. I like to think it becomes from a position of what we've seen and what we've learned over the years. Um, Mark makes a very good point that about what about one of the reasons why it didn't work when the money was was thrown hand over fist at the problem by certain clubs and in particular certain individuals. I will also say that that individual brought about change across the league in a positive way. Oh yeah, uh, certainly speaking from experience what what Wayne Scholes and the guys at Telford did in driving professionalism into Telford meant every other club in the league had to match them. And the unfortunate thing was it was volunteers at the other clubs that were trying to dig it forward. Yet in Telford, they were able to hire people into positions like what we're talking about here. Um, we and, saw and Milton every- Keynes do that as well, though, didn't we? Milton Keynes yeah, took on their commercial manager, uh, salaried position in their last year of EPL. Obviously, there was a plan in place, wasn't there, to go elite uh, yeah. and perhaps that influenced that hiring decision. But no, we did see it in Milton Keynes as well. So, you yeah, know, and, some and, teams and, and, were perhaps better equipped to compete with the challenges brought by Wayne Scholes. And yeah. yeah, do you know what? I think the EPL demise happened because of what happened in Telford, because it didn't happen organically. It was yeah. a mass explosion of input you know cash was just there to be thrown around and i think that you know the demise of the epl was triggered by that um but equally there are good things that he did as well i mean he questioned why players were on bum deals you know why are they not on 12 month a year deals and why not you know if you want a decent tier of hockey why are they not on 12 month deals so they are being paid to keep themselves in good shape, to be out and not, not hang on, to keep themselves in good shape throughout the summer, to be able to do the strength and conditioning, to be able to work on the power skating, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also, if they are full-time players on 12-month contracts, which I'd love to see eventually when the sport can sustain it, there is another huge marketing tool. Your players who are easily identifiable from being on the ice all winter are out and about all summer, you know, like attending events, uh, going to schools, obviously, before they break up and things like that, youth clubs and things. And, you know, that's one of the good things that Wayne Scholes did. I guess he did perhaps do a little bit for players' rights in a way that hasn't happened since the Players Association. Yeah, and as you say, like we can easily sit here and cascade, and I know individuals who will. He he did force people to step up, And and I think... The one thing to be very clear of here, you mentioned about um, commercial managers in Milton Keynes, commercial managers, obviously, that occurred in Telford. Uh, we obviously have one here in Bracknell. It is a volunteer position. It is a, a it is a labour of love at times, I think it's fair to say. And we try and bring what professional skills we have to it. We try and bring, uh, certainly, I'm going to speak for both of us here, um, the experience that we have had at other clubs. Uh, what works, what doesn't work. Uh, And I think we can both sit here and say, we can hold our hands up and say, we've had moments over the years at other places where things have gone wrong and we've had our fingers burnt and we've had big questions about what decisions we've made and what angles we've tried to take on things. And yeah, we, we have to 
sit here and hold it. But those experiences help us learn and helped us develop moving forward. And But we're still here as volunteers. We're still here trying to do all this stuff that we've spoken about over the last uh, 15 minutes or so um, and, and talking about that profession. It's not like we're... Uh, both of us, and again, talking from experience, the only thing we can talk about here is from experience with us too. When we walk in the door, we are not being pathologically unprofessional. We are not deliberately trying to be unprofessional. We try and bring our professional skills. We try and bring a professional front to the club. We try and bring a... Um, a it's it's in our personalities. Um, but also we give 100%. And just because it's a volunteer position doesn't mean we're only giving 50% and actually we're going to screw things over Absolutely not. And that's been one of the pleasures about being here in Bracknell is I do feel everybody's got the right sort of culture. And I do feel that everybody's got the right method to try and move this club forward as we can at the moment as volunteers um, and do all the outreaching that we can do to corporate partners, do all the reaching we can do to community specialists and, and all this stuff. And it's everybody's trying to do it because I think everybody's just knows what this club was, knows what this club can be as well and everybody is just striving to deliver that to use the phrase i keep using the sleeping giant that i believe is here um there's no reason why i heard fans when we came back from milton Keynes earlier in the season go oh it's amazing when you go to milton Keynes, isn't it they've got this they've got that and i'm just like that could be us milton Keynes got there through hard work through building up the club that could be us down Let's the not line. forget Milton Keynes just a few years ago had their rink refurbished, and it is very nice. But in that time, how much of their fan base did they hemorrhage by having to play in Coventry? They have rebuilt that up so well, so quickly. Yeah, and as you say, it's through things like, obviously the community managers helped, they've packed the rink out, but then obviously the stuff that happened in the Elite League didn't help them as well, but they have built that relationship. And there's absolutely no reason why that couldn't happen here in Bracknell. Um, it's just going to take a lot of effort that I think, well, it's been 18 months since Mark and I, well, Mark made the move and I made the move and Doug Shepard and all of a sudden you've seen other people come on board to help out. It makes out it sound across. like everyone followed me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I was just saying because you're on the line there, but that that's the effort that I feel, I hope that everybody sees is everybody is including the group that have always been here and have always been supported from the supporters club and from all the fans that turn up each and every week and support the club, however they do. I do feel there is a determination to make yeah. this place as good as we believe it. Certainly in my case, as I believe it can be. Mm. Um, and it's, it's probably taking a bit more effort and a bit more time than I had hoped. I still, but there has been nothing in the last 18 months that's made me think, do you know, I'm, I'm going to throw one name out there. Um, and, you know, this is not to single any person out, but it's just, I think it typifies, you know, a lot of the heart and soul of Bracknell. And that's Steve Merry at Coventry last year. The nervous excitement, but the pride in that man last year. You know, he is the Coventry Finals off-ice coordinator. But just the the pride in that man last year, and I think that typifies, doesn't it, you know, Whoever you are and whatever you do at the club, everybody feels that, don't they? That, you know, um, that bond, that pride. And I think, you know, it, it's great moving forward. And hopefully, you know, it's, it's a, the important thing here is we don't grow too fast. 
because, you know, Milton Keynes have done very well. But I think the very, very important thing is that we as a club do not grow too fast and we as a league do not grow too fast. I have always said I think we are one import short of where we need to be in this league. But I don't necessarily think just saying, right, one extra import is going to be what we need. We need to first make sure that this league is stable and we need to first, I think also as a league, and this is something that didn't happen in the EPL, we need to make sure that each club is stable within each league. And I'm not just talking about the national, I'm talking about one and two as well. Each club has to be seen as stable. There was that famous press release, wasn't there, not long before the end of the demise of the EPL, saying how strong it was and how strong all the member teams were. And that didn't go well, did it? But no, I think, you know, the EIHA should be looking right. OK, is our NIHL national strong? Are all the member teams strong? Is everybody happy with what's going on? Same in one, same in two. Get a nice strong structure in place so the sport can eventually grow. I mean, I know many, many people have attempted to solve this, haven't they? What can we do to make hockey better in this country? Many, many people have attempted to solve it. I do think that, you know, we have to work certainly with our own boundaries here in Bracknell, firstly, And secondly, I think we can only ever speak for what perhaps the EIHA could do because the Elite League is an entirely different organisation, also under the governance of Ice Hockey UK, but an entirely different organisation to the EIHA as well. Um, Again, you know, unless you've got anything to add though, Graham, I would say, you know, if you have got anything to throw out there for debate next week on the podcast on this, what can we do? Uh, as the NIHL national to get the current standard back towards where the EPL was in its prime just towards the end, you can tweet us at Bees Ice Hockey with your views and then Graham and I can bring our our discussion point onto your views next week. Sounds good to me. In the meantime, though, Mark, how can fans keep up to date with all the latest from the TSI world, Bracknell Bees? Well, if you are a uh, a web guru, head to bracknellbees.com. If you're a social media fan, then... uh, Do you like that? Oh, no, I've done it, haven't I? I've done it. I haven't heard that since about 1995. I've done it. I've just used a catchphrase, haven't I? Which obviously you said was not cool. Maybe we'll edit that out in the... We'll lose that in the edit. It's fine. If you... Right, okay. If you are a uh, <laughs> silver surfer, so yeah, if you are a silver surfer, yes, on your internet connected device, uh, please do head to bracknellbees.com. If you are, of course, you know, a uh, millennial, then you will love the old social media. It's open to anyone at Bees Ice Hockey on the uh, Twitter, at Bees Ice Hockey on Facebook as well. And if you're on Instagram, the Bracknell Bees. And now that you've finished laughing at my description of how the fans can keep in touch, what would you like to laugh at next? Well, I'm just, you haven't said anything about Generation Z, mate. I mean, this is the issue. Like, millennials, they're hold hats. Generation Z, that's why I've had to come out of a seminar today where I've been told we need to focus on Generation Z. Mm. Yes. Mm. Is, yeah. is this is this the moment where it's finally going to pass us both by, Mark? Well, it probably is, isn't it? Probably <laughs> is. Yeah. Hello to the snowflakes as well. <laughs> we have plenty of snowflakes are on the ice normally, just yes. pack, compacted down to Sometimes make Sometimes out surface. in the car park as well. <laughs> <laughs> Only when Peterborough visit when we don't have any grit. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> don't forget, I mean, by no. the way, if you want to buy tickets, 01344 789 0. That is our phone number. If you would like to uh, buy tickets uh, for this Sunday's game, then you can get them on that number, 0134. 44789 It is a Sunday game. It's a 5.30 face-off. Doors open at 4.45. Away fans should 
book for block four. And I'm the podcast exclusive here. Drum roll. Oh, hang on. There might be an online ticket system for the game this weekend. Oh, wow. Ooh. Ooh, that might happen. Let's wow. watch it not happen. Wow. Let's watch it not People happen. People won't be moaning at me about the phone not being answered. Exactly. It's only taken us 56 minutes to get to maybe the most best bit of the <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yes. <laughs> but don't worry, we are professionals. End. We are professionals. Anyway, Mark, uh, until next week, buddy, I will see you on Sunday against the Pirates. Cheers, Arr. Graham. Arr. <laughs> And to all of you, thank you very much for continuing to be patron supporters. Supporters, we really do appreciate all your support. And until next time, goodbye. Bees Radio Network.